tonight is difficult. What we are going to look at tonight in the life of Elisha is a very hard chapter for us in today's world to read and understand. Life is hard. And the Bible never paints a pretty picture of life. Never does it paint a pretty picture of life. In the Bible, they had famine, wars, droughts, floods, plenty, and at times, so much scarcity. When they made war against each other, it was brutal, it was hard. And this section that we're about to look at is a reminder that the life we have today is so much better than what they had back then. 2 Kings 6.24 and it came to pass after this that Benadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host, went up, and besieged Samaria. He's leaving Israel alone because the prophet's there. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it, until an ass's head, which has no meat, a donkey's head has no meat, but it was sold for four score pieces of silver. The fourth part of a cab of uh, doves dung for five pieces of silver. That was <laughs> a fourth part of a cab of doves dung for five pieces of silver. Think about that. This is how bad it is. So you got to wonder how did a man. How did a, uh, an army besiege a whole country? Well, let me tell you about Samaria. Samaria is about 40 miles long and about 35 miles wide. Samaria, in the time of the Bible, was something that's akin to a very small county in America. You heard me right. A small county in America is what they're calling a country in Samaria. So the king of Syria bottles this area up. It's 40 miles long. Not that long. It's got major traffic ways. It's got uh, the Dead Sea and the Jordan bordering it. So he only got to actually watch two borders. Not very hard job to bottle up an entire country that's that small. So he bottled this area up until there was no food, very little water, and what food there was is at a ridiculous price no one can afford. A donkey's head is being sold for four pieces of silver, or excuse me, four score pieces of silver, which is 80 pieces of silver for a donkey's head that has no meat on. There's a famine, there's a drought. They are starving to death in Samaria right now. So 2 Kings 6.26 And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? There's nothing to press in the wine. And there's nothing in the barns. The king can't help. The king has no answers, for he himself is in the very same predicament as his people. 
The king has no answers. He's in the same predicament as his people are. He says, if God doesn't help me, how can I do so? I have nothing. Look under my profile. And the king said unto her, what aileth thee? And she answered, this woman said unto me, give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And it came to pass when the kings heard the, when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed upon, by upon the wall and the people looked and behold he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. The king is walking upon a wall and a woman hollers out to him, O king, help me. There's no food. He has nothing to help her with. She says, myself and another woman, we made a pact. One day we would boil my son. And then when we got hungry again, we would boil her son. We boiled my son. We ate him. But when was the time to boil her son and eat her son? She hit him. That's how bad the famine is. That's how bad this drought is. That's how bad the situation is. They are killing their children for food. When the king heard the words of the woman, that he rent his clothes, and he passed by upon the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. Times are hard. The people are famished. The king has no answers. Then he said, God do so and more also to me, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. The king who never believed in God, the king who never relied on the prophet, who never called on the prophet, even though the prophet saved his life several times, the king is now holding Elisha accountable for what's going on here in Samaria and why. Well, if you remember, there was a, a last time we talked about Elisha, he took the Syrian from his place blindfolded or blinded them and he took them and brought them to Samaria. The king fed them and sent them on their way. It said the Syrians never again troubled Israel. They're not troubling Israel, they're troubling Samaria. Benadad is sieging Samaria. But Elijah sat in his house and the elders sat with him. And the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See ye, Elisha speaking, See ye how this son of a murderer, son of Ahab, hath sent to take away my head. Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door, hold him fast at the door, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord, what should I wait for the Lord any longer? The king said, this evil is of the Lord. Why? Why am I waiting on the Lord? Why has he not delivered us already? A couple important things here. Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time, 24 hours, 
Shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shackle, and two measures of barley for a shackle in the gate of Samaria? A donkey's head is being sold for 80 pieces of silver, but tomorrow, fine flour will be sold for a shackle. Then a lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered, uh, he, he's a, an advisor of the king. He answered the man of God and said, If the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? Elisha has spoken for God, and everything he has said has come true. <laughs> this man, who sits and advises the king, is now doubting Elisha, and he says, if the Lord makes windows in heaven, how is this going to happen unless he hands it directly down? And Elisha said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. You're going to see that God's word is true, but you will not benefit from it at all. That's what Elisha said. He's tired of these people constantly denying God, constantly not believing, even though time and time and time again, God has delivered for them. They are at each other's throats over this famine and the siege. The king sends the prophet, yet the prophet wants nothing to do with the king, for the king is not a good man. A messenger comes, and the prophet Elijah says, Hold this man, for the king shall send a representative. Just behind the messenger comes a representative. Yet, when the king's representative gets his answer, that tomorrow the famine will, be, famine will be over, he scoffs. This leads me to believe that when they sent to Elisha, they weren't looking for an answer. They're looking for a scapegoat. And Elisha's having nothing of that. So 2 Kings 7, 3. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. And they said to one another, why sit we here until we die? Why are we sitting here at the entering of the gate? Let's go out here. If we enter into, this, if, if we enter into the city, there, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. There's no food anywhere. They're going to die whether they sit here. They're going to die if they go into the city. Now therefore come, let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. They kill us. We're no better, no worse off than we are right now. So they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost, the outer edges, part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose, they fled in the twilight, left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. They took nothing with them. They just ran trying to preserve their life from something that wasn't there. Even now, while the king is accusing God of not caring. Even now, while the king is watching his people starve, God is working for his people. He has caused the Syrians to flee, and his people are about 
to get the rewards. Yet the man who doubted, he gets nothing. Just as Elijah said it. 7 8. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, of camp they went into one tent, did eat and drink, and carried then silver, gold, raiment, and went and hid it. They came again, entered into another tent, and carried thence also, and went and hid it. So they've gone into two tents, they've plundered it, they've ate, they drank, and they've hid it so that they can come back to it later. Then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. We should be out spreading the joy. If we tarry to the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. They're starting to think, um, God's going to get us if we don't go tell people about this. So they came and they called into the porter of the city. And they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there. Neither voice of man, but horses tied, asses tied, and the tents as they were. These soldiers fled on foot and left everything behind. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. Remember, the king does not trust God. The king does not believe in God. The king does not lean on God. So the king's answer here is exactly what happens when you're just suspicious of everything. The king arose in the night. Remember, they said at twilight that they needed to spread the word, and that's when they start. So now it's dark. The king said, in the, arose in the night and said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. The king thinks it's a trap. And one of the servants answered and said, Let some, I, take thee, pray, I pray thee, take five of the horses that remain, the horses that haven't been eaten, five of those, which are left in the city. Behold, they are all as the multitude of Israel that are left in it. They're all weak and famished, just like all of Israel, because there's been nothing in the land. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed. Think about this. Let us send and see. <laughs> the servant says, can we be any worse off? Let's send someone out and see. We've got to do, we, we, we've either got to eat or we got to die. That's what they're saying here. And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. It was exactly like the lepers said. It's sitting out here. We're good to go. Let's go get it. The people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So the measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel. Two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. So the king, ever suspicious, even though he was told by Elisha what was going to happen, he still did not believe the word of the Lord, even though he had seen miracle and action and miracle and action and the word of God come true time and time and time and time again. Elisha had saved his life on several occasions, yet the king did not believe, nor did he trust Elijah apparently. This is the part where we get to the doubter. And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. And the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. As the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. 
God said, or Elisha told him, um, you're not, you're going to see what's going on, but you're not going to partake of it. He got trampled in the stampede that gets at the food, just like Elijah said. Knew there was food, knew the famine was coming to an end, but he never got to partake in it. And it came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, a measure of fine flour for a shekel, shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And the Lord answered the man of God and said, And that Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell out unto him. So the Bible here is repeating and is saying, hey, what God said came exactly as God said it was going to happen. This man saw what was going on and he died. The man who doubted God's word was given charge of the gate. Yet the people who had been in the siege, the people who were starving, they did not allow him to get the gate fully open. They did not allow him to be calm, orderly, and organized. They're starving. They ran over him to get out the gate to get to the food, and he died. He saw the bounty of the Lord. He saw the day of deliverance, but he never got to celebrate that day, just as Elisha had said. Now, that's a very hard chapter that we just read through, the boiling of a child so that they can eat and sustain their life. Lepers eating and drinking in the same tents the soldiers just were, and now the people are going to go out there. Leprosy is now a, can be a thing in the city. A man stampled, uh, stampeded over because people were so hungry. The man of God um, telling the truth, but the king ignoring. So I didn't want to end. I really didn't want to end um, on that passage. So we I'm going to continue on and make this just a little longer than normal, but we're going to talk about some good there at the end because that was just a very downer of a chapter. So we're going to 2 Kings 8.1. We're going back to the Shunammite woman. Let me get a drink real quick. Give me just a second. We're going back to the Shunammite woman. Now, this is talking about something before. So hang on a second. I'll explain. 2 Kings 8.1 Then Elisha, then spake Elisha unto the woman, the Shunammite woman, whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, go thou in thine household, household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn, for the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose, and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household, and sojourned in the land of the Philistines for seven years. And it came to pass that the seven years and that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines, she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. So the Shunammite woman, after Elijah has uh, raised her son, he is still looking out for her. He is still protecting her. And she sends him out. Uh, he sends her and her household out of the land, warning her there's a famine going. Go take care of your family. And when it's over, you can come back and get your stuff again. So the Shunammite woman goes out of the land, comes back, but her land and her house and all of her property, she's been gone for seven years. At seven years, they declare you dead. So now she has to go before the king 
and cried, looking for her possessions again. The king talked with Gehazi, the servants of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. So the king is asking after Elisha, and Gehazi, while he is not... Okay, so the part in Samaria that just happened with the siege, Gehazi is no longer the servant of the man of God. So this is before this happens, before Naaman. This is when this is happening, so it's a little out of chronological order, but it's important. So the king is talking with Gehazi, the one struck down with Naaman's leprosy, so therefore he cannot be talking with the king because he's a leper. Lepers were not allowed into the city, let alone into the presence of the king. This is out of chronological order, but it's not out of God's order, okay? So the king wants to hear everything that Elijah has done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, that behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, so the woman just confirmed everything Gehazi had said. The king appointed under her a certain officer saying, Restore all that was hers. All the fruits of the field since the day she left the land. Even until now. The woman is going to cry before the king and beg and plead to get her stuff back. Gehazi's there telling him exactly what happened at that particular time. And the king has it confirmed because the very woman whose son was raised from the dead comes walking into his presence at that moment. Oh, wait. And the very son that was raised from the dead comes walking into his presence. And the king, he is so impressed. He gives her back all the gains that that land had in seven years. Not just the property, but all the profit. P-R-O-F-I-T-S Prophets 2 The conundrum is answered for the king when he wanted, because he's sitting there going, wait, he raised the dead boy in a life down. Come on, that didn't really happen. Come on, no, no, no. And here they come walking in. The events are a coincidence, right? There are no coincidences with God. It isn't a coincidence that the lady whose son was raised went in to see the king at exactly that time. God was still working for this woman. She was a godly woman. She had looked out a lot for the man of God. There are no coincidences with God. He is fully in control. In the good times and in the bad times, he is God. Famine, war, drought, death, all governed by God. He allows the besiegement of Samaria that drives the people to eat their children. And he forewarns the Shunammite woman to get out of the land so that she can escape a famine and her family doesn't suffer. Who knows why God does what he does? He makes it to rain on the just and on the unjust. Remember what Job says? The Lord gave 
the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because what it all comes down to is what Rahab said this morning. The Lord God, he is God in the heaven above and in the earth below. We don't know why he does what he does. We just know we are to obey. 